and he will set you free. So go on. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Joy, 
invite you, Father. Let your presence come, Holy Spirit. Fill this place. We invite you. We want to seek you. We want you to be magnified. So whatever we've come in with, we just lay it down at your feet. And we just want to encounter your heart. Just move in this place. Just flood our hearts, Father.
Father, we want your presence. Above all else, Lord. We want nothing else but you. Flood this place. Fill this place, Father. That you be magnified, whatever exalts itself on the throne of our hearts, Father. We just want you. We want you to be the Lord of our lives. We want you on the throne. So I just pray against anything that rises itself up. We just want to focus in on you, Lord. So I'm just in your presence. Yes, I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Cause I'm not here for blessings Cause Jesus, you don't owe me anything Cause more than anything that you can do I just want I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you know. So take me back to where we start. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your prayer. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment that I never want to leave. Yes, I'm not here for blessings. Because Jesus, you don't owe me anything cause more than anything that you can do I just want you I just want you and nothing else nothing else Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want. Come on, tell him. It's nothing else. It's nothing else. 
inside of us longs to know you deeper. So I just pray, Father, that we would just rest in these moments. We wouldn't hurry. We wouldn't become distracted, but our eyes would be focused on you. For you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the only thing that can satisfy us, Lord. We drink from any well and we'll get thirsty again, but we come to you, Father, and drink from the living water. We will not thirst again. So we just sit at your feet. Jesus, thank you for these moments in your presence. For greater is one moment in your presence in a hundred years anywhere else, Lord. So we just rest here. Father, our hearts are open to you. Speak to us, be it Pastor James, as he delivers this word that you've put on his heart to give. Let us receive it in thanksgiving and obedience, Lord. God, we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Good morning, good morning. Good to have you here today. And uh, before we get started in the message today, we're going to do something special in the life of the church. And uh, I, um, I think it's so important that you know who your leaders are so that you can pray for them, so that you can support them, so that you can get information to them. And so this morning, we're going to have the membership board leaders come up this morning, and we're going to install them. And uh, we just want to make sure you know who they are. Introduce them, want to make sure you know who they are. And so come on up, guys uh, and girls, uh, and just kind of line up front here on the stage. <laughs> so there's uh, Brad and Matt and Laurie and Terry and Cherie and Oscar here. And, uh, and so they are your leadership board members. And what that means is uh, early in the church year, you had an election if you're a member of the church and you elected board members. And board members are lay people who help lead the church along with myself and the pastoral staff. And so I just think it's really important that you know who they are, that you uh, uh, get a chance to see their faces. And, uh, and so this morning, we're going to install them as uh, board leaders, recognizing uh, that God's method of setting people apart for leadership is important. We talked last week about how when the apostles were dealing with an issue, they called people together and they kind of uh, consecrated them and, and named them leaders so that they could continue the work of preaching and teaching. And remember, remember that these were people who were full of the Holy Spirit, people that uh, people trusted. And so here are your leaders here. So we come uh, to this moment of installation um, to uh, just kind of lay hands on them and pray over them and, and install them as leaders. Here's what the Word of God says about leadership. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. And then 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, consecrate on doing, excuse me, concentrate. Consecrate is a good word too. We'll talk about that later. Concentrate on doing your best for God. Work, God. work you won't be ashamed of. Laying out the truth plain and simple. And then Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ, the message, have the full run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct, direct one another using good common sense and sing, sing your, house, your hearts out to God. So now we come to this important moment with, where they stand before you, the body of believers, to take um, kind of an oath or a covenant to do the work of being leadership board members. May you look on your assignment now that you assume now as a special opportunity for service for our Lord. And may you find joy and spiritual blessing in performing of your duties. In consideration and confidence placed in you by the church, by being elected leadership board members, and as a believer in Jesus Christ who has fully committed and surrendered your life to the Lord, will you covenant to practice faithful stewardship, to demonstrate faithful attendance of services, to faithfully use your gifts and talents in ministry other than leadership board, to actively participate in a member of, as a member of life group, to accept all the responsibilities of spiritual leadership, 
to attend monthly leadership board meetings, to maintain the integrity of the leadership board, to exhibit a team spirit, and to support wholeheartedly the vision, mission, and purpose of the church? If so, answer, we will. Great, great, great. Now, I uh, talk to you, the congregation. After hearing their commitment, their covenant, do you pledge and covenant to assist joyfully when called upon to do so, to work with them, to connect with them, so that together, leadership board, pastoral team, and belongers, congregation, we will be effective in moving our mission forward, which is to know and grow in Jesus, and then to share real hope with anyone everywhere. If so, say, we will. Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the members of this leadership board team. We thank you for their willingness to serve. We thank you for their willingness to be examples of what it means to be belongers. And Father, we pray that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would be with their families. This is extra work and extra time. And Father, I pray that you would give them everything they need to perform the task that you have set out before them. Lord, we thank you that, that we are a church where laity and pastoral clergy come together to lead the church. And Father, we thank you for these leaders today. Now, Father, help us to work together in unity so that your kingdom may grow um, abundantly and more people, more and more people would know and grow in you and share real hope with anyone everywhere. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you give them a round of applause? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, leadership board. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, if you are a guest with us, welcome, welcome. Uh, Hopefully, uh, you can see on the screen, there's a QR code there. We just want to encourage you, pull out your phone if you're a guest with us. Just uh, take a photo of that, and it'll send you to a page, salemfields.com slash guest. So if you can't get the QR code to work, just go to salemfields.com slash guest. Uh, but that page has all the information, anything you could possibly want to know about our church. Um, and then there's also a connection card link there. We just want to encourage you, uh, fill that out really quick. It takes about 30 seconds. And it's just a way that we can get to know you, answer any question that you have about the church, and just uh, uh, really connect uh, a little bit. And so wherever uh, you're from and, and whatever, uh, you know, you want to connect with, we just want to be able to help you along in this journey. And we hope that you discover that uh, Salem Fields is a place that you belong. And so uh, it, hopefully you've, uh, if you are a guest with us, do not feel obligated to give, but there are many ways that you can. It's just another way that we worship God here at Salem Fields Community Church by putting him first in our finances. And so there's giving kiosks out there. Online, click that little green button in the top right-hand corner, or you can always just go safely and securely through salemfields.com slash giving. Uh, we have two events coming up. We had to cancel our movie night this past Friday, which is really disappointing, but we are really excited about the one that's coming up in July because we're going to package it as an Independence Day celebration. So it's going to take place Saturday, uh, July 3rd. Uh, we're going to show the Sandlot. What is more American than the Sandlot? Uh, so we're going to celebrate with that, but we're going to have uh, yard games. There's going to be a wiffle ball field. There's going to be food trucks. Uh, so it's definitely come out to that. Uh, celebrate the, the weekend with us. Again, Saturday night starts at 530 until the movie's over at 10. So we want to encourage you, invite your friends, invite your family, be a part of that. And lastly, uh, if you have a student, uh, most of the students 
went back there, but uh, they're going to have a bonfire, journey bonfire on June 30th. It's going to take place 6 to 8 p.m. It's just a great way for students to connect. Uh, they're going to eat a whole bunch of s'mores and just really just uh, have fun in community. So we want to encourage, if you have a student, come be a part of that, or if you know a student, tell them to check that out. And so Pastor James has an awesome word for us this morning. So again, we're so glad that you guys are here. Thank you for being here today. Uh, today we begin our wrap-up of our CrossFit series. Now, uh, someone said to me, James, a 13-week series on CrossFit? Come on, when will you get, bring it to end? Well, uh, the end is near. And so today we're going to do one more exercise, and then to, uh, next Sunday we will wrap, next weekend we will wrap it up, and we're excited about that. Uh, today we're going to talk about the exercise of submission. The exercise of submission. As you know, if you've been here, if you're new here, we've been talking for about 12 weeks about uh, CrossFit. And this is this idea that uh, we've been looking at physical fitness, but we've been looking at it as an example of what you can do to grow spiritually. Because we believe it's really important here at Salem Fields Community Church that we grow spiritually, that we become more and more like Jesus as belongers at Salem Fields Community Church. And so today we're going to talk about submission. And let, let me just kind of be a person that kind of just kind of fesses up. I, I'm not a very submissive person when it comes to working out. I have, a, uh, I have a trainer, and that trainer, I pay that trainer to work me out, specifically to work out my legs. And, um, and sometimes I'm not very submissive. So, because what happens is this. I, I'm doing squats, and I'm the kind of person that wants to lift double my weight right away. Maybe you've seen those kind of people. You know, uh, my, my trainer Jordan will say, well, let's, let's warm up with the pole by itself. Now, the pole is 45 pounds. I'm like, this is a joke. And so I'm, I'm squatting on a pole, get them done, no big deal. But the next thing that we, he, he does is we put some weight on. And Jordan says to me, Monday, this happened this, this Monday, just past Monday. He said, now, James, I want you to put this weight on. And I said, well, no, I, Jordan, I can do more than that. I can do more than that. And so uh, Jordan's philosophy is this. When the person he's training does not listen to him, they're on their own. All right, so he sits down and he's in his seat there and I say, well, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him. So I put the weight I want to put on and I go and I squat and I go all the way down and I'm like, yeah, see, I'm going to show him. He's going to listen to me. And so I do the second one and I go down and, and I begin to get a little cocky, right, because I did and I did it fast. And so I begin to move into my fast mode so I can get these over and prove to him that I know what I'm talking about. And so I go down again. And instead of going down on my heels, I go down on my toes. And when I go to pick the weight back up, the weight begins to lean against my neck. And I'm trying to, I'm off balance, and I'm trying to get it off my neck. And Jordan waits for a couple of seconds. He doesn't come rescue me right away because, right, I'm on my own. And, and finally, he comes to rescue me. And I say, okay, okay, I will listen to you. So he makes me go through the process of taking the weight off and going back to the weight that he had asked me to lift. And so I go back and I lift that weight. And not only do I lift the weight that I wanted to lift, but I do more than the weight I wanted to lift because I was listening to my trainer. 
Submission is a hard thing. We don't like submission. It's the S word in the church. We don't like it. This idea of submitting is just not, it's not American, right? It's not American. This idea of submitting, no, we don't like that. But we got to get to the point when it comes to our spiritual exercise of understanding that submission is understanding that we don't always have to have it our way. That we're not in a Burger King commercial from the 1990s that said you, gotta, you can have it your way. Sometimes we don't get to have it our way. And so if we're going to look at submission, we have to look at this term self-denial. Because in the Bible, when it talks about submission, it talks about self-denial. And self-denial is this denying of one's own interests and needs or self-sacrifice. Some synonyms, synonyms are like this. Self-sacrifice, selflessness, selfish, selflessness, and unselfishness. The Bible talks about this idea of self-denial, this idea of submission, so would you go with me to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, and here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking, calling the crowds to join his disciples. He said, anyone, everybody's included in that, anyone who, need, who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Uh-oh. Did you get that? Self-help is no help at all. We have a billion-dollar industry where you can buy books and tapes and videos on how to help yourself. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice, not many books and tapes on that, is the way, my way, to saving yourself your true Self. You're not in a driver's seat. I love that. We, we know the metaphor of the driver's seat. We understand it. We, we have family members who, who understand the driver's seat, right? One person is driving, and then you have a side seat driver, and then you have a back seat driver. And, and here's the deal. Here's what, I've, here's what I've understood. The side seat driver is always saying you're driving too fast. Slow down. Slow down. And the backseat driver is wanting you to hurry up and go faster because they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You've been there. You've been in the driver's seat and you've been on the, on the side driver and you've been a backseat driver. Anybody grow up in the station wagons where you're facing this way in the old station wagons? I had nine people in our family. I understand that station wagon thing. And the backseat drivers who are facing that way, they don't know what's going on. They're just enjoying the view, Right? Submission is the key to following Jesus. Self-denial is the key to understanding and implementing the submission exercise. So let's, let's talk about self-denial a little bit. Let me tell you what it's not. Self-denial is not self-hatred. You got you to point a piece of the church that kind of talks about self-denial as being self-hatred. Self you got to love everybody and you got to hate yourself. Well, that's not self-denial. Secondly, self-denial is not self-contempt. Self-denial is not self-contempt. And thirdly, self-denial is not what I call doormat living. 
I, I think some people, when they hear the word self-denial, they think, James, you're asking me to be a doormat. You're asking me to let people walk over top of me. You're asking me to, you're asking me to let people take advantage of me. You're asking for me to kind of be a wet noodle living. No, that's not self-denial. What is self-denial? It means the ability to give way to others. It's the way in which we view other people. And it keeps us from having to have things go our way all the time. The Bible calls us to a lifestyle of self-denial and submission. This is not something that's just kind of uh, littered every noun throughout the Bible, but all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we're called to a lifestyle of self-denial and submission. Self-denial is the willingness to deny oneself possessions or status in order to grow in, grow in holiness and commitment to God. The willingness to deny one's self-possessions or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. This practice is commended and illustrated by Jesus. Remember, Jesus, the one who created it all, the one who spoke and it was, that Jesus, part of the Godhead, the Trinity, that Jesus, if, if there was anything that was self-denying, it was leaving the Godhead and moving into the community and becoming like us, putting on skin, flesh, blood, and dealing with all of the stuff he had to deal with. Think about it. The one who created Everyone, the one who set the mechanism in place so that every tree could grow, so that every insect could crawl, so that every animal would, would take place. That God, that God moves into the neighborhood. We call it such, a, it's such an amazing thought that we call the passage the great kenosis passage, the great emptying passage. That God empties himself of everything and moves into the neighborhood. I don't know any better example of self-denial than that. So Jesus uh, examples what it means to deny oneself. You remember in the garden, Matthew 26, it says this, 39, going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there's any way to get me out of this. What is this? going to the cross. What is this to be beat? What is this to have a crown pushed on his head? What is this to be mocked? What is this to be nailed to a cross? What is this to have people mock him and make fun of him? If there's any way to get me out of this, but please, not my will, but your will be done. Self-denial, he modeled it. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge, John 13, of everything, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, and put on an apron. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. And when he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? Maybe you know the story. And he says, I, if I don't wash your feet, you have no pride of me. And Peter says, my feet, my head, all of me. He says, and Jesus says, all you need is the feet, your feet to be washed. But think about it. Remember, the God who put everything aside, the God who denied himself, that God, 
That guy takes off of his robe. He's a rabbi. He's the most important person of their society. And he takes it off and he takes these ragtag bunch of disciples and he begins to wash their feet. Self-denial. Self-denial is a requirement to those, for those who will truly follow Jesus. Luke 18, 22 says it like this. When Jesus heard that, he said, then there's only one thing left to do. Sell everything you own. Sell everything you own and give it away to the poor. Why was Jesus telling the rich person to sell everything he owned? After all, this rich person was coming to follow him. This rich person was all about following Jesus. Why would he tell him to sell everything he owns? Because Jesus knew that the driver in the front seat driving the car was his possessions. And here's the reality. The reality is if you're going to, if you're going to do this submission thing, if you're going to deny yourself, if you're going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, you can't be in the driver's seat. And because his possessions and his money and his stuff was in the driver's seat, Jesus said to him, no, go sell the person in your driver's seat so that I can get in your driver's seat so that I can be the one leading your life. And God always comes to us and, and he points out what's in our driver's seat. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our possessions. Sometimes it's our kids. Sometimes it's a relationship. But Jesus will always come to us through his spirit and say, this is in the driver's seat. And I want to be in the driver's seat. And I will not share the driver's seat with anyone else, including you. And sometimes we're in the driver's seat. And the Lord comes and he taps us on the shoulder and says, Will you surrender the driver's seat to me? That's what he was saying to the rich young ruler. Let me give you some examples of the self-denial in order to put God first. Daniel, but Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. You remember the story, Daniel was taken off to Babylon and he's one of the captives, and, and he's smart, and he's bright, and so the king wants to make him part of kind of the royal setup, and so the king wants him to eat all of this great, rich food, to eat, to drink the best of the best, to have the best of the best, but in order for Daniel to do that, he would have to go outside of the laws of eating for his own, for his God, and, and so he decides he's not going to do it. And so he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. And the head of the palace staff, by God's grace, liked Daniel, but warned him, I'm afraid of what the master king will do. And so Daniel made a deal with the, the person who was in charge of the royal diet. If after so many days I look as good as the other guys, will that be okay? And so Daniel denied himself the king's diet because he wanted to put God first in his life. Sometimes God will come aside to us and say, I need you to deny yourself of this pleasure. I need you to deny yourself of this thing that you want because I want to be first in your life. Example of self-denial for the sake of others. Ruth 2, 11 to 12 says this. Boaz answered her. This is Boaz talking to, talking to Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. 
And Boaz answered her, I've heard about you, heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband and how you left your father and your mother and your land and, and your birth and have come to live among total strangers. God reward you well for what you've done and with a generous bonus beside from God to whom you come seeking protection under his wings. Sometimes God asks us to deny ourselves for the sake of others. Exodus 32, Moses does this. Moses went back to God and said, this is terrible. This people has sinned. This is an enormous sin. They made gods of gold for themselves. And, and now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase me out of the book you've written. Moses standing in the gap for the people of God. John Wesley, the leader of the tribe with which we've connected, says this about self-denial. I love this. The denying us, ourselves and the taking up of our cross is the full extent of the expression. It's not a thing of small concern. It's not expedient only as are some other circumstantial of religion, but it is absolutely indispensably necessary either to our becoming or continuing as his disciples. It's absolutely necessary in the very nature of things to our coming after him and following him in so much that as far as we do not practice it, we are not his disciples. If we do not continually deny ourselves, we do not learn of him, but of other masters. If we do not take up our cross daily, we do not come after him, but after the world or after the prince of the world or our own fleshy minds. If we're not walking in the way of the cross, we're not following him. We're not trending or treading, excuse me, in his steps, but going back from or at least wide of him. John Wesley thought that this idea of self-denial, of submission was so important that if we weren't willing to do it, we wouldn't even be counted as disciples of Christ. The ultimate, the ultimate self-denial, uh, 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 the ultimate surrender is a, is a big word, a big phrase which we call entire sanctification, I'm going to explain it, or full surrender. Entire sanctification or full surrender, sanctification is the turning point in our road to discovering spiritual maturity. Sanctification means to set apart for God's service, to consecrate, to set apart for God's service. And so sanctification is this point in our journey where we decide we are going to be fully surrendered and set apart for God's service. Now, we have this thing where we come and we say, Lord, come into my life, be my Savior, and we do that by grace through faith. It happens, and he's our Savior. But what I've learned about that is, is we can have good days when we're firing on all the cylinders, and everything's going well. And we're saying, man, you know, I'm close with God. God is close with me. I feel his presence. I feel his spirit. Everything's going well. And then there are days when we totally tank out, and nothing's going well. And we feel like we're not following. We feel like we're, we're being disobedient and we're disappointed in ourselves and, and everything like that. But I, I believe there's a point in our lives when we get tired of that. We get tired of the mountaintop and the valleys and all of the kind of ups and downs of our spiritual journey. And we come to a place in our lives where we say, Lord, I'm tired of that. There's got to be something more than that. 
there's got to be more to this journey with you than very high highs and very low lows when it comes to my spiritual life. And at that point, we get to a place where we say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever I need to do, I want to be in relationship with you that's consistent. Billy Graham talked about it. This sanctification process where he fully gave himself to the Lord. He talked about the fact that one day he came to a place where he, decide, he, he had to decide whether he was going to be a superstar in the world's eyes or a superstar in God's eyes. He had to make a decision. He was a fiery, outstanding speaker, but he, he, he began to realize how that was detracting away from God and was bringing him attention and he got to a point where he said, I want you to get the glory. I want you to get the attention. And so he fully surrendered his life to the master. He fully surrendered it. So it's the point in our road to discovering spiritual maturity. It's the turning the road in our spiritual journey where we surrender our lives, our desires, our plans, our goals, our purposes, our present, our future, our past, control, and even sometimes people to God. It's at this point that we receive his power and the desire to develop the essential habits necessary to grow spiritually. Paul said it like this, and I absolutely loved it. Galatians 2.20, I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but I live it by the faith of God, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul got to the point in his journey where he decided that it wasn't important what you thought about him. It wasn't important what I thought about him. It wasn't important what the religious leaders thought about him. That the only, th the only important, the only person that was important was God. He wasn't trying to impress God. He got to the point where his life kind of gave away and, and God began to come and rise in his life. He gave the driver's seat to God and got out of the seats. And I like to think he didn't become a side seat driver. Because, you know, side seat driver is always putting the brake on for you. You ever put the brake on for somebody? You ever want to grab the wheel from somebody? I envision that Paul went and got in the back seat and turned backwards and said, God, you're large and in charge. Galatians 5.24, among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to whatever else calls, what everyone else calls necessity is killed off for good, crucified. Paul just got to this place in his journey. He was learned, he was smart, he was a brilliant man. He was a rabbi's rabbi. He had studied under the best professors, Gamaliel. He's a rabbi's rabbi, but Paul got to the point where all that wasn't important. And, and he got to the point in his life where you could stone him and you could talk about him and you could mock him and, and you could try to kill him. And you could put him in jail. You could shipwreck him, shipwreck him. But that, that didn't matter because it was all about Christ. 
So here's a problem, though. Surrender is such a dirty little word in our culture. We don't like it. We don't use it. And it's not a part of who we are. So we use this term in, in the Wesleyan Tradition in the holiness church and the church of Nazarene, specifically sanctification, is the most misunderstood word in the church. If I would ask people online, you those, those of you online or listening to this or watching this, or ask the people in the auditorium, what is this, what is this idea of sanctification or full surrender? What is it all about? And I and I passed the mic around, I would get hundreds of different an- of answers because it's it's misunderstood. Some say it means purity. Some say, say it, it means perfected love. My favorite definition is perfected love. God's ability to perfect his love in our lives so that we love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors the way that God has loved us. But there's so many different definitions. And when I grew up, I grew up in the old school. And uh, I grew up in, in services where you would have altar services. And some well-meaning saints were there. And you had some people saying, let go, James, let go. And you had other people saying, hold on, James, hold on. And I was confused. Should I let go or hold on? But every now and then, I would have my, my pastor's wife, the church I grew up with, she would come in and she would just whisper in my ear, James, you just need to surrender. And then I thought, well, is she asking me to wave a red fly, white flag? I mean, is she asking me to throw the towel? What is she asking me? And this idea of surrender is to say, okay, God, I give all of it to you, my past, my present, my future. So this idea of sanctification or full surrender is God's work in us. This is not something that he calls us to. This this full surrender is not something that he calls us to that we got to bootstrap. It's not about bootstrapping. It's God's work in us. 1 Thessalonians says it like this, I love it. May God himself, the God who makes everything whole and holy, make you whole and holy. The NIV says sanctify you, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of the master Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed that we would go to this next level. He prayed that we would fully surrender ourselves to him Here's what John 17, 15 to 17 says. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with truth. Your word is consecrating truth. So Jesus prayed that we would go to this next level, that we would go beyond just simply saying, God, save me, and begin to talk about God being the CEO of our lives, God jumping in the driver's seat, God being in charge of our lives. It's this instant, this moment, this moment where, where, when, a, when a believer, a belonger, a believing belonger receives the fullness of the Spirit of God, and his power. Remember, there were some disciples. Jesus had been crucified. They had all run. They were hiding out. They were scared. They were afraid. They were, they were afraid that there was a cross waiting for them too. One denied him. And they all ran and they were all in hiding. 
And even after Jesus showed himself to them, there were still some who were doubting. And so Jesus told them to gather to wait. And so they were waiting in the upper room, and we're, we're in this season in the church calendar right now, and they were waiting in the upper room, and he said, wait, and I'm going to send my spirit. And the day of Pentecost came, and the Spirit of God flew through that place, and God began to perform miracles in that place. And all of a sudden, these guys that were scared to stand up, scared to talk, scared to do anything, began to talk boldly because they got to the place after being filled with the Spirit that they didn't care what anyone thought. They didn't care if there was a cross for them. They got to the place in their lives where they were totally sold out for the purposes of God. And there were some of them that took that sold-outness to a cross. There's some of them that were exiled. There's some of them that were beheaded. But they got to the place where they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only just the power, but the Holy Spirit comes into our lives in that, in that moment, and he empowers us to do what he has asked us to do, we don't have to bootstrap it. We don't have to try hard. The Holy Spirit will empower us to live the way that God has called us to live. And then he begins to purify our hearts. He takes away this bent towards doing our own thing, this bent to our rebellion. He takes away that bent so that we can follow him. I like to talk about it as open heart surgery. So he takes out our heart that is all about doing what we want to do it, when we want to do it, why we want to do it. It's the, it's the heart of the culture that says, have it your way. You deserve a break today. And he takes that heart out, and he begins to, he, he gives us a heart that will beat in his way, where we can follow his direction and we can follow his will for our lives. And he gives us this passion, this kind of holy mission, and says, this is what your purpose is, and this is what I've called you to do. And whether you are doing it as a business person, or you're doing it as a stay-at-home mom, or you're doing it as a lawyer, a doctor, a, a, a person who, who's doing a trade, a person who's in the military, whatever it is, you do it for him. Whatever you do in word and deed, you do it for him. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread in their ranks. And so you move from this life of doing your own thing, rebellion, and doing your own thing, sin. And you move to this moment of the, what we call the new birth, salvation. And you give your life to the Lord. And, and then you move into this moment where he fully consecrates you and sets you apart and empowers his love in your life. And then there's growth. There's growth. I love to say it like this. Be being sanctified. Be being surrendered. Be being consecrated. Because here's the deal. We come to this moment where we're, we're set apart. But you know what has happened in my life? There have been times I've come to crises in my life where I have to, I have to fully surrender myself again. It's, it's usually been my kids. Something would happen, and, and I would say, well, God, I, I, I want to do it this way. And God would say, no, 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 no. You surrendered yourself to me. 
Or maybe it's a job situation. I say, well, God, I want to do this. And God said, no, 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 James. You surrendered yourself to me. And so I have to come to this process where I say, okay, God, I, I fully surrender myself afresh and anew. There'll be moments in our lives where there'll be a path and there's a road to take and we can do our own thing or we can do what God wants us to do. And being fully surrendered doesn't mean the adversary won't come to you and whisper in your ear. Jesus was fully surrendered, and the adversary came to him and said, would you turn the bread, would you turn the stones into bread? Will you jump off the palace? And Jesus constantly took the word of God and, and fed it back to the adversary, so the adversary had to flee. Just because you fully surrender your life does not mean the adversary will not come to you, but a fully surrendered person will say, God, I hear your voice. I'm going your way, not my way, not their way, not the adversary's way. So let me ask you a question. Have you surrendered to Christ? Remember that word sanctification? When we boil it all down to its roots, it's about completely surrendering to Christ so that you can say like Paul, for me to live is Christ. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care that they laugh at me. I don't care that they think that I'm a doormat. I have surrendered to Christ. Have you done that? I was, uh, I was in college, and I I'd had, had kind of surrendered to the call of ministry. <laughs> that was about it, right? I surrendered to the call of ministry, and I, and I said, God, I, I, I want to be an evangelist. I'll do that much for you. I really had wanted to be a businessman that would type 20%, but that wasn't what God was calling me to do, and so... Said so I'd be an evangelist, and so I was there, and I was I was at a old fashioned, old fashioned family camp. You got to go back in the day a little bit for this, and and I was in Red Hook, New York, and I was in this old country like tent. That's where they had this this uh, family camp because they didn't have a big enough structure for everybody to fit in. So they was this, they would put up this big old tent. And I was there and a guy by the name of Pat, uh, Reverend Manny Shavier was there. And this guy was, this guy, this guy needed no notes. He needed no Bible. He knew the scripture by heart. He could quote it all by heart. And, and, and this guy was preaching. He was preaching this message on full surrender. And he got to the point in the service where he said, what about you? Have you fully surrendered? And, and he began to pray, and he said, God is talking to some people today, and I, I just wonder if you take a step of faith. And I'm like, well, why can't I pray in my seat? And he went on to talk about this step of faith is moving in the way that Paul moved, where he doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care what people will whisper. He doesn't care. And so I felt God talking to me. <laughs> and I said, oh, God. I can't take a step of faith like that. I'm the evangelist for the youth. What are people going to think? And I remember God speaking to me. There's only been a, uh, about three or four times in my life that I, I remember God speaking to me this clearly. I, I'm not saying that there was an auto voice that everybody in the tent looked around and said, hey, where's that voice coming from? No, I'm talking about God speaking to me deeply in my heart. 
And he said to me, James, if you don't fully surrender, you will not be able to do the things I've called you to do. And you won't really be happy in life. So I got up from my seat that day. And I went down to a, a place to pray. Simply just a place to play, pray. And I began to pray, okay, God, here I am. I know what the past looks like, and I don't like it. I know what the present looks like, and I don't really want to surrender it. And I don't know what the future looks like, but you do. But I'm saying to you, all three of those things today, I will surrender to you. And I made a decision that day to fully surrender. Have you fully surrendered? Maybe you'll get this description a little bit better. There's a popular sports out, uh, kind of a bare knuckle fighting called UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Last night there were a number of bouts in this Ultimate Fighting Championship new sports. It's not new, it's been around for about 15 years now. And in one of the fights, Adesanya successfully defended his title, his middleweight title against Vetro. And then uh, Marino submitted his opponent, and so he won the fly weather, the fly weight, excuse me. He won the belt, the fly weight belt. And then Bala Muhammad won his Walter weight title bout. But in the very interesting thing is in this UFC, there are a number of ways that people can win. The first way is a knockout. A fighter falls from a legal blow and is either unconscious or unable to immediately continue. The second way is a technical lockout, a referee stoppage. The referee stops a match after seeing that one fighter is completely dominant to the point of endangering his opponent. There's doctor stoppage. The referee stops a match in the event that a fighter is injured via a legal blow and the ring doctor determines that he or she cannot continue. And then there's a decision of submission. In the process of fighting, the surrender, the submission, the throw in the towel move has been redesignated as a, a tap out. A tap out is commonly performed with the hand or sometimes the foot to signal to the signal that the opponent and possibly the to the opponent and to the referee that that person is surrendering. A tap out, a submission or surrender can also be verbal during which a fighter verbally informs that he or she is giving up. In some combative sports where the fighter has a corner person, that person can throw in the towel to stop the fight or a person can speak and say, I give up, I submit. In the wrestling, when I was growing up, there were submission, submission holds. You would do this hold. I remember the Boston Crab. And you would do this hold, and the person would submit. So let me ask you a question this morning. Have you tapped out? Have you made a decision in your journey that God is going to be the Lord and the CEO of your life? I've been doing this about 30 years in some form or fashion. And what I've seen in the church, capital C, and in churches that I've pastored in, small c, 
I see people who come to know Lord Jesus as Savior, but they never quite make him CEO of their lives. And they kind of go through this existence of up and downs and mountaintop experiences and crater in the valley. And they wonder, why isn't it working? And I'm convinced that until you make Jesus the CEO, the Lord of your life, until you and I fully submit, surrender, until we submit, we're never going to be all that God has made possible for us. So we go along living under the privileges, underneath the privileges of what God has made possible by his coming to earth and dying on the cross and getting up on Sunday morning and sending his spirit. Maybe you don't know what that is, but it's all about surrendering. So Romans 12 says it this way. I love this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. And I want you to place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, 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 fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So you know what we do? We spend our time trying to change ourselves from the outside in. And so we figure if I pump enough weight, if I get some new clothes, if I eat right and I sleep right and I do all these things, then I'll change myself. That's only here today and gone tomorrow. Real change. Change that lasts for eternity happens from the inside out. And the only way that that's possible in our lives is we surrender to the God who knows us best and loves us most. And so let me ask you again, have you tapped out? Have you surrendered? Would you pray with me today? Father God, I thank you that you're the God who calls us, who prays for us, who makes possible this lifestyle of full surrender. You're the God who came on the scene and calls us to be like your son, Jesus. And Lord, I'm so glad that I don't have to bootstrap it. I don't, I'm so glad that I don't have to work hard and grunt through it because you have the power through your Holy Spirit to produce that in me which I cannot produce in myself. And so you call us to this point of fully surrendering ourselves to you. And Father, I know in a moment like this and in a situation like this, I know you're speaking. Whether, whether you're listening to this at home or in your car or whether you might be listening or watching this or if you're in the auditorium, God is speaking because God's Holy Spirit is always speaking and you're not here by accident. God knew that you would be here somewhere eons, eons and eons ago. Lord, you made it so that people would be here. They would be hearing this message and, and, and that your Holy Spirit would be speaking. And Father, I believe you're speaking right now. And so, Lord, I believe you're saying to some people, that's exactly, you might have not known what to call it. You might have not known what it was, but that's exactly what needs to happen. 
in your life. And so I believe God is calling people. And, and I believe that sometimes some decisions take a step forward. Some decisions, we, get, we need to believe like Paul. Father, you call us to not care what people think, but to care what you think. You say in your word, don't fear those who can just hurt the body. Fear the person that can, can to take that soul and, and, and dispose of it. And so here we are, such as we are. And in the moment, Father, I just believe you would have me call people out and to come and kneel at this front here on these pads here and, and move into this experience we call full surrender. And, and Father, I believe you're going to have some people at home who will either step up, take a stand up or kneel down at their couch or their chair or wherever they are at work in their cubicle and make a decision to fully surrender their lives to you. Your word says the one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. And so today, Father, I just believe that you would lead me to call people to this experience. And so as Rich sings this song that we were listening to earlier today, if God is speaking to you, if you hear his voice, maybe you're, maybe you're just like me, it's just undeniable. You are hearing him speak to you. You can't, you can't take it and do anything with it. He's speaking to you. I would just ask you to kind of get up from your seat and come to a place of prayer. And I just want to pray. I just want to pray for you. If you're out and listening to us online, I, I want you to just take that step like that and then I want you to send me something that says that you did it. But let's take a moment and let's just be obedient. See, there, there never is full surrender without obedience. And if God is speaking to you this morning, I want you to be obedient like I was in that big old tent. And I promise you God will do something in you and for you that will transform your spiritual journey. So as Rich sings, would you come if God is speaking? Caught up in your presence I just wanna sit here at your feet Caught up in this holy Moment, never want to leave. Thank you. Oh, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't know me anything. Cause more Nothing else, nothing else.
God is speaking to you, just come. said, James, well, I haven't even taken the first step. I don't even know. I don't even have Jesus as my Savior. I'm just examining the claims of Christ, and I'm trying to figure it all out. Well, today you can come as well. And maybe this is the day that you'll say, you know what? I, I kind of made a decision to follow Christ in that moment. You can come as well. Just one and nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. I just want you. So I'm going to pray with some folks who have come forward, and um, maybe you're out in the audience, and uh, you said, James, the God was speaking to me. You just bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. You say, God, you say, James, God was speaking to me, but I, I just didn't have the courage. And, and, um, and, and I, I just want to pray that, that you will have the courage, that you'll touch base with someone, a pastor, myself, and you will have the courage. But if you're like that, no one looking around, everyone head bowed, eyes closed, just kind of slip your hand up really quickly and put it back down. If you're like that, you wanted to come and you just maybe didn't have the courage to do it. Just kind of lift your hand. See that hand? Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. All right. Father God, we thank you so much that you're the God who is, uh, you're the God who is setting people apart and helping people to fully surrender. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that uh, you're faithful. You're faithful. And we know as we surrender our past, our present, our future, that you're the God who is faithful and you're the God who is working and, and you're sanctifying people, helping people to fully surrender. And so, Father, I pray 
that you would do in us what we can't do in ourselves, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, and that lives and homes and hearts would be different because of your touch and your work in our lives. Thank you, God, for being the God who cares, the God who calls us, the God who does in us what we cannot do in ourselves. And so, Father, I pray that in the days to come, people will come back to this place and say, I remember it was at Selwyn Fields Community Church in June that God called me and I said yes, and God changed my life forever and changed the lives of the people around me. God, thank you for being the God who's faithful, the God who will do it. We love you, Lord, today. We thank you for what you're doing among us. We thank you that you're still performing the miracle of Pentecost in our lives and in our times. And we praise you. It's the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for being obedient. And the reason why we challenge you like this is because we love you. And we just want you to be the best belongers, the best believers that you can be. God bless you. Love you guys. Oh, thank you, Pastor James. What an amazing Sunday. And like he said, you know, we want to come alongside whatever decision you've made, whether that's a, accepting Jesus as your Savior, giving him lordship over your life, or even just, you know what, I want to go further and just my relationship with you and relationship with others. We want to encourage you. Go to SalemFields.com slash MyResponse. Let us know about it because we want to come alongside of you. We weren't made to do this walk or do this life alone, and so we need community. That's why we exist, is so that we can love on each other, encourage one another, help each other, so that we can also then share that hope with this world. So thank you guys so much for being here. We love you guys. We'll see you back here next weekend. God bless you.